If you've listened to our podcast for any amount of time, you know that we talk about this idea of fighting naked. Fighting naked. <laughs> it sounds really funny when you think of it literally. But metaphorically, fighting naked means you're going into battle kind of without weapons, without armor. Your ultimate goal is reconciliation and not just wounding each other. Yeah, and we actually found out today that it's not just the, the nakedness. I know it's funny, but the f- metaphor of nakedness doesn't just start and stop with when you fight, but it's actually a whole uh, method of living your, of marriage. your marriage. So yeah. I know that might sound funny, but listen in and it hopefully will make sense to see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel-centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. Okay, so today we ha- get to talk to some of our favorite marriage people, Dave and Ashley Willis. They are, um, man, they- they've been in the game, right? Yes. The marriage game. <laughs> they've been doing this thing for a number of years. They've been married longer. They have four four boys. Mm-hmm. But they have this way about them of just communicating these deep, deep truths in a way that is winsome and funny and relatable. And they're just, just these amazing folks. So today we interviewed them. They have this a book out, and then we're going to talk about it. But everything that we're talking about comes through this book, Fighting or not Fighting Naked. <laughs> the Naked Marriage is the name of their book, and we're going to talk about what it means to actually have a naked marriage. Right? We've talked about fighting naked, which is like don't be defensive, no armor, mm-hmm. don't use offensive weapons, things like throwing offenses in each other's faces or saying, "Hey, you're always like this," or "You never do this." Mm-hmm. Uh, those things are unproductive. Also, Dave and Ashley talk about how you can't have a trick up your sleeve when you're naked because you don't have any sleeves. Ah. So of course we're talking not <laughs> we're talking metaphorically, not liter- literally, but today uh, I think the conversation will be helpful for you. So uh, we hope you enjoy it. And yeah, here's Dave and Ashley. Dave and Ashley Willis, welcome so much to the show. It's a pleasure to talk to you. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're excited to be on the show today. Yeah, man. We, we are huge fans, huge mm. fans of Fierce Marriage, everything you guys do. Truly. we I mean, we, we're excited to be on the podcast. Well, the same goes for you guys, Dave. I, I You were one of the first guys that like, you had this page on Facebook, or you guys, you both had this page on Facebook, obviously, and it was like a kajillion followers. And I was like, I'm just going to reach out to this guy and see if if he responds and you responded in like less than 30 seconds, <laughs> somehow you're always available. <laughs> I so, pride myself on a quick response does. rate. So, yeah, that's, you're just so reliable from day one. You've been uh, just engaged and willing to help. I think early on you, mm-hmm. you helped us a lot. So, so we're big fans of you guys yes. as well. We're so grateful to know you. You honestly feel like um, well, it was, the brother it was and selfish sister. I, I, I looked at you guys and said, these guys are going to, they're going to be like superstars and oh, I just want to ride yeah. their coattail. So I got to get in on the ground floor. No. Fierce marriage. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the motives come out. No, oh, no we, uh, we do treasure the relationship we've had with you guys been able to build over the, over the last few years and just really look up to everything you're doing. I mean, you guys are authors, you're bloggers and you've been speakers. doing it. Speakers, incredible speakers mm-hmm. at that. My and parents have four boys. Lordy. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> boys. A, a lot of boys. So yes. yeah, if you could we just kind of, 
if, if you could just give our listeners um, a little bit of context, where are you guys coming from in terms of, you know, how long you've been married and how'd you guys meet? How'd you meet? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, how long you've been doing the marriage ministry thing and, and what's your, your background, I guess, pastorally? Because I know you guys uh, did that for a while, too. Well, we uh, we met at Georgetown College, which is a little Baptist school in the central Kentucky area. And we met my first day of school. And uh, we were in acting class together. We were both communications majors and uh, didn't date till that next semester, but then got married literally the weekend after they graduated. And we've been married almost 18 years and uh, have four boys, like you guys said, mm. and uh, and have been in, and in ministry for most of those years. Dave has served as a pastor. Yeah. First first day she walked in as a freshman, I was a you know junior and I was like, who is that new girl? And, <laughs> and it was a year that I was actually supposed to be studying abroad in my plan. I was going to be gone that whole year. And I felt like God was saying, Hey, tap the brakes. I want you to stay back. And I was like, Lord, this is what I've wanted to do all along. And what do you mean? Don't go. And I felt like he was saying, no, I've got something better for you. And so that first day of that year that I wasn't even supposed to be there in my plan, you know, in walks in, my bride. And uh, I'm just so thankful every day that, mm. that I did not go, you know, Me chase too. my Me own too. plan because <laughs> uh, God's plans always end up being better. And so we've, we've had, you know, wonderful, wonderful, um, almost 18 years of marriage, wow. almost two decades of being together. Yeah. Um, so we're from Kentucky. We got married when we were 12, but in yeah, Kentucky, yeah. that's normal. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, we're, uh, I we're also believe you for a cousins. split second there. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. No, like, we, there's some no, shady I, stuff that happened. No, I, but we were young. I was, I was 22. She had just turned 20 when yeah. we got married. Um, we waited a few years to start having kids. And now we got four little boys. And um, I was a, I was a full-time pastor for, mm. uh, for 13 years. And we started the marriage wow. ministry out of that, you know, out of pastoral ministry. And, and then now just, you know, this past year has been the first season that we are exclusively focused on marriage ministry. Um, and so that's mm. been a transition because I mean, I love being a pastor and I, and in a lot of ways I still am, it just looks yes. a lot different. Um, but we just feel like God's really called us to focus our ministry on marriage right now. And, and we're, mm. we're super excited about the opportunities that he's bringing. Mm. One of the things we love about you guys is, is you do kind of live, uh, I think, what you practice what you preach. In other words, I feel like you talk about marriage, but you so clearly have a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And the interactions we've had with you guys, obviously reading your stuff, um, getting to know you in that way, it's. I've learned to not take that for granted, that sense mm-hmm. of you are actually living uh, what you what you preach mm-hmm. and the proofs in the pudding in that sense and like okay this actually works you guys have a really cool story mm-hmm. so and as i understand it you share a lot of that um through your book right through experience so i guess i kind of want to get into that because you have a new book coming out and just for our, our listeners uh, tell us a little bit about that we have a new book coming out called the naked marriage and we're so excited about this book because really it's, it's kind of, like you said, it's been a big part of our story, but it also is kind of our, we look at it as kind of our life message mm. because it's totally based on the first married couple, Adam and Eve, and how in the garden after God created them, he blessed them. And it says they were naked and unashamed. Mm. And we believe they were physically naked, which is awesome. But we also believe they were naked in, in, in a, even a deeper sense than that, mm-hmm. you know, emotionally, spiritually. And there was this beautiful communion of God and Adam and Eve. And this is before sin entered the world. And it was just, you know, for, for one moment, just total peace and understanding and connection. And we really believe that's what God, you know, wants for our marriages. But we, you know, we live in this fallen world and 
when we, you know, go back to the garden, when sin first entered, entered the picture, you know, the very first thing that Adam and Eve wanted to do was hide from God and eventually kind of from each other, hiding their feelings. And then you see pride come into the picture and you see blame come into the picture and, and you start to see this disconnection and, and, and all the things that kind of happen when a couple is out of sync and really mm. not, not looking to God as their, as their truth, as their strength and everything and as their foundation. And so we just, you know, in the naked marriage, we talked about how to get back to that, to that communion of God and Adam and Eve and, and, and having that deep connection with God and with one another. And we really believe that, that we can still have that today, but we have to fight for it every day because our tendency is going to be to hide. That's yeah, very that, so that, good. That's really the, the key. It's not just the physical nakedness. I think some people assume it's just a, a sex book. And, and I mean, sex is a big part of sex it. Sex is awesome. awesome. Don't get me wrong. Like, um, <laughs> Ever heard of it? Yeah, my it's my awesome. pastime, but <laughs> it's, my it's an important part pastime. of marriage. <laughs> but it's but there's there's obviously so much more to marriage, you know, you know, than that. I mean, even even if you have like a very active sex life, it's only probably, you know, one percent of the actual time that you have uh together with your spouse yeah. that you're gonna be, you know, making love. I mean, it's 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 a the whole it's a holistic approach. And nakedness mm-hmm. isn't just physical. We believe that God intended it, like Ashley was talking about, really to, to be all aspects of marriage. You know, you're emotionally, you're if the oneness God intends to remove all your masks and all the barriers that keep us separated and get back to that kind of intimacy he he wanted mm. for Adam and Eve and that he, he still wants for us. And and like Ashley said, we we strongly believe that that's still possible and that that's still God's desire for every couple. And and it breaks our hearts that we see so many couples that that settle for something less than that with one another mm. when when what they could have with God and with each other is something so much richer. Mm. So good. So good. Um, so again, jumping back into your book, you, I, I want to know this. Um, you mentioned the secret free guarantee. I want I want you to explain that a little bit. Cause I just think that's, it's intriguing. It's yeah. so intriguing. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, we just really believe there's, there's no secrets in marriage. And the mm-hmm. minute we start keeping secrets, that's just when distance will grow between us. And I really believe too, that's when the enemy can get a foothold because we start, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it leads to fantasy or can lead to inappropriate relationships with people of the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. And it can just have, we can have misplaced loyalties. We can have misplaced trust in other people and, and, and you know, confiding in our children over our spouse. And then you have codependent mm-hmm. relationships. So secrets are just extremely, you know, they, they can't, they're just powerful. And so we really cannot have secrets from each other because, that, that will keep us from each other. And so, you know, Dave, Dave coined the secret free guarantee. And he always says, you know, Adam and Eve, when they were first created, they had no secrets from each other. They had nothing up their sleeves because they weren't even wearing any sleeves because <laughs> yeah. they were naked. And so yes. it's like, you know, they're not hiding anything. They're totally vulnerable to God and one another because they're physically naked. They're emotionally naked and they're spiritually naked. And you see this beautiful oneness that comes from that. And I think we live in this world where, vulnerability, I know this word's tossed around a lot, but I think that it's kind of, it's a scary word for a lot of people because, Mm. you know, we're kind of taught from a young age that you really can't trust anybody, that even Mm. those closest to you, you know, are going to mess up one day and leave you or hurt you. And a lot of times it's because people have been hurt and they have good reason to Mm -hmm. kind of feel like they can't trust anybody. But we just want people to know that even if you have a background where you've been let down or your heart has been broken, that when you go into a marriage with one foot in the door and one foot out the door, and you're kind of having a secret money stash or keeping mm-hmm. secrets right out of the gate, that mm-hmm. you're really setting yourself up for failure. That the, the best thing you can do for your marriage 
is first and foremost, be vulnerable to the Lord and trust in him to bring the two of you together. But secondly, be completely 100% honest, vulnerable, and transparent mm. with each other, even Love about it. the hard stuff. And it may, I would even venture to say, especially about the yeah. hard stuff, because we've got, we've got to do that. And you know, it is scary. I get it. And I mean, Dave and I've been there, like we've had to share some hard stuff with each other and stuff sometimes that either we've done or that has been done to us. And we're not, we're not, you know, it, it's, it's very awkward at first, but mm. I will tell you those hard conversations are, are ones that have brought us closer than ever before. Yeah. So good. I'd, I'd love to go a little bit further with that because you had mentioned, you started talking about hard, those hard, hard conversations. And just before that, you talked about having like a secret financial stash. Mm-hmm. So what are some, I mean, in your experience, in your years of being pastors and marriage ministers and writers and all that, what are some, I'm just thinking of the listener, right? <laughs> what are some of these secrets, right, that, that are typical among marriage, like whether they're subtle or huge? I mean, obviously there's the money one, there's the, if you, if you started like an emotional affair or something like that, but what are some of these common secrets that you guys have found or, 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 or you know, witnessed people's go through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, we always see the level of your on- honesty with each other will determine the level of your intimacy with each other. And if it feels like your marriage is stagnant or stale or not moving forward, yeah. then one of the big reasons why could be because there are these secrets and, and the secrets aren't always big, huge, horrible sins. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's just smaller things, little compartments in our mind and heart mm. that we haven't given our spouse access to. Mm. And it can be it can be tons of different things. I mean, it, it can be big things, you know, like the ones Ashley mentioned where you're, you kind of have an exit strategy. You've got the secret stash of money, which is, you know, really just showing such distrust in your spouse and, and dishonesty toward them. You know, anytime you find yourself um, having a conversation with someone that you hope your spouse doesn't find out about either because of how you're talking about your spouse or because you're engaging in some kind of inappropriate flirtation, you know, that's, that's just so, so dangerous. Um, if you're looking at things that, you know, that your spouse uh, would not appreciate you looking at, you know, we, we talk a lot about pornography just because, you know, we're, I'm convinced that pornography is one of the biggest um, enemies of intimacy facing mm-hmm. marriages today. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just, and it's rampant. It's rampant. I mean, they're, even among Christians. Even among oh, Christians. Yeah. yeah Barna uh, is it just the most trusted name in Christian statistics. You know, they, you know, we shared the next show last year, but, but um, Barna says that, that 62% of men who claim to be Christian, so 62% of men in churches on any given Sunday, uh, view porn at least once a month. So that's that's more than three out of five. That's almost two out of three right. Christian men looking at porn. And one in five, um, one in five women. And that yeah. number is, is growing rapidly as well. And so oh, wow. we just we talk about that is like, look, if that's an, and that, and that was a huge issue for me. Like, and, you know, I've shared, you know, a lot, um, you know, I had a past struggle with pornography started when I was a teenager. Um, I was one of the 95% of American teenagers who saw porn, um, you know, when I was in high school or younger. And that just planted these, these deep poisonous roots in my mind that were so hard to break free from. Um, and, and carried over into early in the marriage and, and really caused a lot of uh, broken trust. Well, and it caused secrets. And it caused secrets. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was, I was yeah. in shame. Sometimes the secrets, you know, or you, you're driven there by your shame. And that's what the mm-hmm. enemy likes to do is to keep you there. You got to hide. That's what Adam and Eve did. You have to hide in shame because of what you've done when really that's the opposite of what you need to do. Yeah. You need to come 
and confess. You need to find healing and forgiveness and, and accountability and all those things. And once yeah. it all came out, you know, it, it kind of eventually brought us to a, a new level of intimacy because That's that big sure. secret wasn't what's holding hmm. us back. So I feel like porn is maybe the, the biggest secret. I know for some couples, it's not a secret. They don't see anything wrong with it and they watch it together. And that's, that's a whole separate issue of trying to convince them that it's wrong, which it is. Right. Um, and there are plenty of stats and scriptures, you know, we can point to, and I won't make this whole podcast about that. But if, if you're one of the many who are keeping this, this secret mm-hmm. um, fantasy life happening, yeah. you're sabotaging your marriage. You're absolutely sabotaging your marriage. And that, that needs to come out and you gotta, you gotta talk about it. And I think what happens too, especially when it comes to porn or even, even if it's fantasy, I mean, sometimes, you know, women, uh, women can certainly be looking at porn as well, but sometimes it's through reading like erotica and things like that, where it's putting images of putting ourselves in sexual situations with other people. It has the same power of kind of just taking us down a road we never thought we would go down. And what we end up doing is trying to fulfill our sexual needs ourselves. And mm-hmm. and then we keep ourselves from our spouse. And really we're depriving our spouse mm-hmm. and ourselves mm-hmm. from the intimacy that God wants us to have physically. And it's so hurtful. And, and you know, mm-hmm. people tell us all the time when we talk about this, like online, especially because people are a lot more honest online because they're not looking at you face to face. They'll right. kind of, right. you know, they'll kind of get into a debate and they'll say, no, there's nothing wrong with this. I have a higher need than my spouse sexually. And so I'm just meeting my need and not bothering her with it or not bothering him with it. There's no harm done here. Or they'll even say things like, well, I'm not fantasizing about the person in that video. I'm fantasizing about my spouse. You know, I'm putting them in their place. I mean, like there's all kinds of ways we can justify this. And that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to get caught in this and then justify it and tell ourselves it's okay. Mm-hmm. But we, we're living proof that it's not. And we know the damage that can be done. And we also mm-hmm. know the healing that can happen when right. you actually call it what it is and call it sin and you call it, um, you know, just, it's a trap. It's, it's a terrible trap that the enemy wants us, you know, to get caught in and it, and it destroys marriages. I mean, there's even websites yeah. that are completely secular that are coming out with all this information saying, look guys, you know, no matter drug, what, yeah. you know, faith background you come from, it is, it's bad for you. And so mm-hmm. yeah. just, you know, we, we do talk, I know some people listening are probably like, okay, get off of it, but it, it's just such a huge rampant issue. So we just really want to mm. just, you know, bring the truth to light. Yeah. yeah, but secrets just to like give you a tee up if you want to take it in a different direction. It can be, it doesn't have to be porn. It doesn't have to be these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. It can be as simple and as small as is having a fear or insecurity that you haven't confessed to your spouse. Mm-hmm. It can be um, things from your, your past, things that, that happened to you or things that you've done that, that you haven't talked about, even though it's still very much a part of something that you think about and it impacts you. It can be just preferences you have about certain things where it's like, Oh, you know, I actually don't like Chinese food, but I've never said it out loud. And I just resent it every time you say, let's go to that restaurant. <laughs> I think you should be able to just talk about everything. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. I think, I mean, you guys, you guys just nail it so well because it's, we, we can only grow in our love for each other. Right. Mm. When, when there's no, there's no fear there and shame and secrets feed those fears. They feed the shame. Um, I love you guys wrote in your book, just control breeds fear. And the Bible is clear about it. You know, in first John four eighteen, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Mm-hmm. And we have those unconfessed fears. We're letting them fester. We're letting the, the insecurities grow when God's already accepted us, yeah. already loves us. And working that out with our spouse can be so, such a powerful 
um, experience, I think, to walk through and having that communicating yeah. with them through those hard things. Um, that is just, I yeah. think it's just so powerful. Yeah. And that's actually what I wanted to ask you guys next is, um, you know, you're talking a lot about, I mean, Ashley, I, I loved hearing what your heart kind of, uh, against this epidemic of pornography, mm-hmm. right? I know Dave, you feel the same way, but hearing it from a wife's uh, perspective is mm-hmm. always so eye opening to me, especially from, you know, looking at it, not only personally, but also as an epidemic in society. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, what you're talking about is uh, naked honesty, getting to that point of being, that's chapter five, right? It's called mm-hmm. naked honesty. You also have chapter two, which is naked communication. So, and Ashley, you had talked about in chapter two, um, a daily heart to heart conversation is the core is the cornerstone of true intimacy. I think that's a quote um, that I think is a lot of times that's what you're getting at is like the, the communication is the bridge, right? It's the bridge from a place of hiddenness to being known, right? A place from yes. being fully like uh, guarded to being actually naked mm-hmm. um, emotionally and physically and, and all these different things. So I guess that's what I want to ask you guys next is, communication is such a huge part of that. Like you said, it's, it's the cornerstone of true intimacy. So what do you mean by like heart to heart communication? What are some, ta- I guess what I'm looking for, what are tangible communication tools? I know you guys are so good at tangible tools. I've, I've learned so much from what you've taught t- tangibly. So what are those tangible tools you can give to couples on how to communicate through, uh, uh get, you know, communicate with naked honesty, but also get to a place and stay in a place of naked communication. Well, that's a great question. You know, I think when I say heart to heart, I think what I'm referring to is you're not just talking uh, about where the kids need to go, what bills need to be paid and like the business of life, mm-hmm. you know, heart to heart. We're really talking about what we're dealing with in our hearts. You know, what are we, what are our hopes? What are our dreams? What are our fears? What's mm-hmm. something that's making us sad right now? What's something that's making us really happy? You know, what are we excited about and really, you know, processing that with our spouse. But I, you know, I can attest and Dave and I know from experience, and I know you guys do too, that this is something you have to be super intentional about because especially when you have busy jobs and kids and everything else kind of Mm -hmm. vying for your attention, it's so easy to let this slide. And I think a lot of times, especially married parents will say, you know, we'll kind of tell, tell ourselves, well, the kids need us right now. There's so much going on that, that the thought of having, you know, a heartfelt conversation with my spouse is exhausting. And so we're just going to put that on the back burner. But what you find happening is there's a growing resentment that happens. And, you know, Dave and I have had seasons of our marriage where we've been really good about heart to heart talks. And there's been other seasons where we're not as good and we feel it like we can literally feel it. And uh, I can even see it in Dave. Like I can see it on his face. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think instead of waiting until you're ready to burst, until you start misunderstanding each other and feeling, you know, resentful of each other, we should go ahead and just make that a daily commitment. And it doesn't mean you know, it doesn't have to be like hours and hours. I mean, if it, if that's what you need, go for it. But I think for a lot of us, it's like putting the kids to bed, maybe a little earlier. So you have a little more time and turning off the TV, you know, getting distractions out of the way, you know, of work or, um, you know, like TV shows or your phone and just like looking at each other in the eye and saying like, what is going on? Like, how are you doing? Um, mm. you know, tell me about that thing that we were talking about the other day. And, you know, what, what do you, what are your hopes right now? Like what's something you're excited about for this year and just mm. really connecting that way. And and I also think there's a lot of power in just laughing together. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I agree. Just, <laughs> like we've got to laugh, especially if it's been like a pressure filled day, mm-hmm. there's nothing like having a chat. And I don't know about you all, but sometimes like Dave and I will, we'll talk and then we'll be like, let's watch a little bit of the office. 
and we'll just laugh for like <laughs> yeah. two this is why we're friends and we're like this is awesome. why we're friends you know? and maybe it's not the office <laughs> yeah exactly i mean maybe for those listening maybe you're not an office fan but you know what you like i mean just just we'll have some steam and laugh together a little bit and i think sometimes you may even want to start that way because i think sometimes people feel awkward especially if they, if they haven't had a heart-to-heart conversation in a long time mm. so maybe start with that and then move into it and and just just talk i mean i think think about like when you were dating and how you connected and how you couldn't talk enough it would be three in the morning and it's like you had even more things to talk about you know i think we need to get back to that and in, in connecting and wanting to learn more about each other and i think sometimes people think oh i know everything but the truth is you don't because we're all always growing and changing and so there's always something new we can learn about each other man man so uh, so many things i want to ask you guys now but one of the things i love <laughs> about getting to know you guys is just getting to know your personalities and your sense of humor. It's clear that you guys laugh a lot. Um, and it comes out in our conversation um, just when we're talking with you. So let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, Ashley, you touched on a little bit that laughing sometimes is that perfect thing to kind of break the ice and kind of warm you up uh, toward each other. But specifically for you guys, I mean, in your, you said you're going on 17 years, 18, 18 years married. 18 years, yeah. So how has laughter yeah. been been a pastime for you? I know sex is Dave's favorite pastime, but laughter. Yes, it is. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> laughter is number two. Like we, <laughs> laughing we, during sex is like how you can win. Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah. Combine both. <laughs> yeah, just Why combine not? it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. No, we we we're very we are very serious about the business of laughter. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said that like the serious joy is the serious business of heaven. That that yeah. like, you know oh, he, I love that. he had this this belief okay. that like Christians who weren't joyful um, were really just missing the point. And I feel like laughter is, is part of that. You know, there's obviously plenty of times to, to grieve in this broken world that we're in, but, but I think that a, a husband and wife who love Jesus and love each other, um, laughter is just a gift that God uses to keep them joyful and keep them connected. And it really binds your hearts together. I mean, there's, there's something very intimate about sharing laughter with somebody to, yeah. the, to the point where I would even challenge you to be like, you know, be careful about, you know, being too funny with the opposite sex. I was mm. watching a, a show one time and, and this, this two character, two male characters, one was talking to the other. And he said, Oh, I think my, my girlfriend doesn't love me anymore. And he said, why do you say that? And he said, I, I saw her laughing with another man and the other friend said <laughs> laughing. Oh no. He said, are you sure they weren't just kissing? <laughs> and it was like this, like this thought that, that like laughter is and, and there's something to that that laughter is really yeah. intimate so for us like i try to i try to surprise ashley he does surprise, su- surprise is like the key to a lot right. of spice of life but but laughter for, for sure and so mm-hmm. at least once a day when she's not expecting it uh sometimes in public this to the point where I'm, I'm gonna probably get arrested but i try to <laughs> i try to moon her at least the partial moon. it's a partial oh i try to show her Tangible ways here, people. The top of my <laughs> butt crack. She has seen it so many times. I refer to it as man cleavage. So, I like, I just try to. It's a coin slot. A coin slot action. That's right. A little, little coin slot. And <laughs> she laughs every time. And so, as, as long as she keeps laughing, I, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, You're an exhibitionist. Her, like, ridiculous. I'm an exhibitionist. Yeah. <laughs> I'll send her funny text message, like gifts and memes and things. He's great. His gift game is strong. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, so, I yeah. know. I've experienced. My husband's is the same. Yeah. Well, but you've experienced you Dave's. Me and Dave can have a good gift battle. It'll go for a long time. <laughs> you can. You can. Is it gift no, or gif? I mean, That's important. It's important to know. I don't know. I say gif. I, I say gif too. I so It might be gif. I don't know. 
I use GIF on my sandwiches. I use GIF when I want to. That's right. Peanut butter GIF is the thing. That's right. But we do like we will like we'll plan date nights around going to see stand up comedy sometimes. And just so that we can laugh. And I think yeah. I feel like laughter definitely breaks down a lot of those those walls, right? It it, it gives, it's something that's sort of not the focus is not on us. Mm-hmm. The focus is kind of out there, and we can enjoy, yes. you know, yes. being together together and not focus so much maybe on each other, which really creates the space. I think so beautifully for you to be able to have some of those honest conversations. Um, some of our conversations have been very serious and then ended up laugh laughing together you know the key is not mm-hmm. laughing at the wrong time ryan <laughs> yes. that is the truth right. that is the truth yeah. so many not when times I'm naked. Oh. but everything's so funny <laughs> so many times in our marriage when we were younger i would be steaming and he would be laughing well, uh, and i was like why are you laughing dying. right now i could just punch you I you know what it wasn't, it wasn't voluntary <laughs> all right you just you were That's so even funny worse. you're very cute when you're angry <laughs> You're making it worse, Ryan. No, no, no. Oh, that's why he gets hot sandwiches thrown at his head occasionally. That's what Selena, Selena's what it's salty and sweet. Oh, what a treat. That's my wife. Oh, <laughs> oh man. No, laughter and joy is just such a, a huge part of marriage. Um, and I, I feel like it definitely breaks down the walls and kind of gives us a little push down that road of being mm. honest with each other. Right. And having some of those conversations, but what would you, um, you know, chapter five is called naked honesty. And I, we just want to kind of get your, your heart on what would you tell people who are struggling maybe to get to a place of honesty? I mean, you did say maybe go do something fun and kind of break down the walls and kind of warm up to each other. But, um, so, you know, we're getting to that. We have couples that are listening that are, you know, they're struggling with some of those, big secrets or they're having a hard time kind of articulating um a hurt that one has done to right. the other or so i want to i want to add to that question because okay. how, how does how do they get to that place of honesty but I mean, what role does apologizing confessing and forgiveness play in that whole process so you have honesty but then there's got to be the other side of it right which is right. the forgiveness side right. and the confession side so i mean speak speak to that a little bit because i know there's a lot of couples that are either struggling to get to an honest place or mm-hmm. also struggling to get to a healthy place after some right. bomb has been dropped. Yes. So what, what, what advice do you have for folks there? That's, that's a great question. I think first I want to talk to those who have not come out with it yet, who are keeping a secret and it's eating them alive. You know, I just want to, I want to just remind them that, you know, it's eating you alive because, because, you know, you're trapped. And so God wants you to bring it out to the light. You know, he doesn't want you to be hiding this. He doesn't want you to feel shame. So, you know, once we come out with it to him, first and foremost, confess it to the Lord, you know, that's when he's going to, he's going to lift that burden. But the next step is to go to our spouse and, and sit down and just come out with it in a respectful way and in a calm way. And, you know, I would even, I would even say too, you know, some people want to send it in a text or an email. And, and I would just tell you, you can't do that. Like you've got to look them in the face if you have to write it down first, at least, you know, go to them in person and give them the paper so you could still look them in, in the eye. Because I understand that sometimes we're dealing with some major things and we right. just don't even know so good. how to say it. And so, um, but but whatever you do, you've got to be, you know, person to person and mm. then give them time to process because you've just, you know, kind of unloaded all this thing, you know, in, in front of them and they have to have time to process. And, you know, just be aware that your spouse depending on what, what it is that you're telling them, they're going to process it in different ways. You know, some people are immediately going to get angry. Some people aren't going to say anything at all. 
Sometimes they're just going to leave the room because they're just so shocked. They don't know what to do. You know, sometimes they're going to burst into tears. And so I just give your spouse, spouse the space to, to have, have that time to process and to react. Mm -hmm. But then I would also say, you know, there definitely needs to be, you know, a heartfelt apology and, uh, and, and also a sincere statement that you are going to do whatever it takes to get healing and to make it right. And, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, putting yourself in that posture of, of, you know, being willing to, to seek forgiveness and then being willing to allow, you know, asking your spouse, if you can have the chance to rebuild trust is essential in, in the relationship being restored. But, um, Dave, mm-hmm. you know, he's so good at explaining, there's a huge difference between, between forgiveness and trust. You want to explain that, sweetie? Yeah. For the spouse that needs to forgive, like when somebody, when your spouse confesses to you something and, um, or they get caught in something. And I think that there's this temptation to say, well, I don't want to forgive because forgiving lets them off the hook. It means that what they did didn't matter. It means that they're just getting away with this and that doesn't seem fair and right. And, and I'm coming to a biblical understanding of forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, in, in essence, forgiveness, it means, it, it's, it means because I love you and because of what God has done for me, um, I'm choosing to pursue restoration instead of revenge, even though you wronged me. And mm-hmm. I'm letting go of the right to get even. I'm letting go of the desire for you to feel pain, even though I'm feeling pain right now. And I'm going to give all that to God so that healing can flow in my heart instead of bitterness. And so that trust can be rebuilt. It isn't going to happen all at once. Forgiveness happens. You know, it's, it's an, it's a choice to say, you know, none of us earn or deserve forgiveness. It's a gift. It's grace. If we could earn it, it wouldn't be grace. So we have to give it freely. Trust is different. Trust can't be given freely. It can only be earned um, or re-earned once it's been broken. And so if your spouse wrongs you in an, in an intimate way, forgive them instantly, which means saying, I'm refusing to be haunted by thoughts of revenge or bitterness or anger. I'm giving that to God. I'm reminding myself daily of what Jesus did for me. And I'm going to pursue restoration and I'm going to give you the opportunity to rebuild trust. I'm not going to hang this up, hold this over your head every day. Ten years from now, I'm not going to bring this up as ammunition and an argument. I'm letting all that go. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to rebuild trust so that we can get back to a place of total intimacy. But to recognize for both spouses that it takes time. It takes rebuilding that trust. Yeah, it takes time. Yeah. And I want to say this too. Uh, And we get this question all the time. People will say, you know, if, if a spouse is confessing, maybe like to, I'm just going to use an affair for an example, you know, they, they'll say, how much detail should I give them? And I would say, you have to be willing to tell your spouse as much detail as they want to know. But mm. I also want to tell the spouse who is hearing that your spouse has had an affair to just know that you're probably going to have some images, you know, burned in your mind based on those questions that you asked. So you and your spouse kind of, you have to navigate that and just know that, that you're going to, you're going to remember those things. And so it's just kind of up to each individual couple. But I would say too, that even though, you know, once you confess, be willing, be willing to answer any and all questions that your spouse has. Mm -hmm. But in the same way, I think the spouse who is hearing the confession, like Dave said, we cannot bring that back up and say, well, you know, remember that time you did this? Like, I'll never forgive you for that. Like we can't keep on holding it over their head and Mm -hmm. saying like, Oh, I knew you would always be a mess, you know, that you would just always mess, mess the things up because that's what you do. Like that's, you know, that couples that fall into that negative dynamic, they never get the healing that they so desire. Instead, we really have to take it day by day. And sometimes when Mm. it's been something really awful, like there's been a huge, you know, breach of trust 
we really sometimes have to take it hour by hour and, and choose, you know, wake up each morning and say, I'm choosing to say I do to my spouse again, and I'm allowing them to rebuild my trust. And so we have to really try to keep those negative thoughts and those fears, you know, out of our mind and really ask God to replace them with his hope, because there is mm. going to be so many times, you know, there's going to be so many moments where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work out. Like, mm. is he going to do this to me again? Is she going to do that same thing again? Is she going to break my heart again? And I think that we just, in those moments of fear, in those moments of just feeling like, like, you know, it's just not going to be what it once was. We have to, we really have to go to God and ask him to give us the peace, to give us the strength and, and the courage to really, to face, you know, the new normal for our marriage. And I want to say something real quick about, you know, couples often, when we're, when we're talking to them and they've been through something awful like this, they've heard something terrible that their spouse is, has done to them. And they're kind of living in that reality. They often will say, you know, I don't know if I want to continue with the marriage because it's never going to be the same. And Dave and I always tell him, you know, you're right. It's never going to be the same. It won't, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because we serve a God who always brings beauty to ashes when we go to him and he still brings dead things and raises them to life. And I truly have seen him do that with marriages. And sometimes, you know, he can use something so terrible and, and he can use that to, to grow you closer than ever before. And it mm -hmm. sometimes can wake you up and make you realize some things in your marriage that really were very unhealthy from the start. Not saying that that gave, you know, that spouse license to do whatever they did, but saying that God will use something awful and, and use it to bring good to your marriage. In the long yeah. run if we're willing to stay and fight for our marriage. So good. That is so that good. you know what's cool though is our experience with couples and talking to couples that have been through devastating hardship, devastating betrayal, and and have stuck to it and done what you've said. I just want to I guess add some credence to that because God's word says you know says we need to trust Him right. But I'm telling you that the real life experience reflects that that is true that it mm -hmm. will work for God's glory and our good. Mm -hmm. It's like a broken bone; it's broken for a time, but it heals better and stronger yeah. than it was. Right. And it's better and stronger. And the, we, we, I can list probably three or four different couples right now. Just obviously not, I won't hear, but on top of my head who their marriage well, at one point, we're like, I don't know if this is going to make it. And now we're looking at it and got, and like almost brought to tears and seeing what God has done in their hearts mm -hmm. through it and their marriage together. But as individuals, mm -hmm. they're so much more in tune to, to just their faith and who God is. And, right. and, how and through that converse, those conversations of, of building trust and understanding forgiveness, you know, just how you guys outline it's, Beautiful. Yeah. And I think they, well, I was talking to, a, and I, I want to hear you guys again, but um, I was talking to a friend who um, he's recently, you know, dealing with pornography addiction and he's, you know, going through um, I think pure desire, which is a solid program to get through mm -hmm. kind of sex addiction, pornography addiction. And he was struggling through a relapse, right? So he's about a year into it and he's had these relapses here and there and he just beats himself up, just beats himself up. And he, and he wants to, but we were talking about how building, rebuilding trust with his wife has been a very challenging thing in terms of intimacy and because of that he's not wanting to pressure her too much but he's also has this like physiological and emotional desire to be intimate with her and it's very very rare and so he he's struggling with how do i tell her that while also telling her that i've had a relapse without help without telling her that it's the relapse is her fault it's because i sinned and it's not her fault but but i also want to talk about our intimate life because i'm I really feel like it's lacking. Right. And so he's really struggling with that. And at the same time, she's obviously has her emotional part of it as well. And the thing, and I want to hear you guys' thoughts on that is how could a couple navigate those waters? But one of the things I told him is when I was just like, Hey man, we can't try to 
control this. Like, don't try to manipulate. If you're just trying to like drop the, the right pieces of the conversation at the right time so that you can get the emotional response that you're hoping to get, that's just manipulation, right? We need to trust that God is working in our spouse as well as we kind of breach these hard topics and talk about the and confess these hard things and 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 apologize and expect forgiveness or ask for forgiveness. So what I mean, this will be our final, I think, kind of bigger question is what would you tell the couple that is struggling with with moving forward? You said there's, it takes time, but so often that time feels indefinite. It feels almost infinite. Like when is this going to end for a year into this? And we've only had sex twice in a year. Like what, Ashley, I'd love to hear your perspective. What would you tell that wife who doesn't feel like she can be safe with her husband? And how can she start to really cultivate that, that sense trust. of safety Still and that trust that again? Trust, yeah. yeah, intimately. Oh, I know. That's so hard. And like, I mean, you guys are describing it. it, it it's very complicated because, you know, you want the the couple, I know they, they both want to be intimate essentially, but there's so much hurt and confusion and, and you know, they're in that healing process. So I, I totally understand that. And I would say, you know, it's, I think I hear you saying that the husband understands why she's hurt because, you know, she mm-hmm. knows that her husband has gone to, to pornography to fulfill the sexual need. And even though I know he's, it sounds like he's really trying his, his hardest mm-hmm. to, to yes. beat this addiction. Um, and I would just say, you know, like be honest about the hurt. I would tell the wife, be honest about the hurt and, and, and share that with them. And sometimes through, sometimes through sharing those honest feelings, it can draw us closer um, on an intimate level through the conversation. And it can make her feel like her husband is a safer place when he can also be honest about his own shortcomings. And I think those conversations, I, I just am a huge believer in that the, the, the building blocks of intimacy are really through those honest conversations, because especially when it comes to women, like yeah. that's how we feel close to our, our spouse. And that's also how we feel like we can trust, you know, our spouse mm-hmm. and also through his consistent actions. And I would tell the wife, you know, your husband clearly, clearly is wanting to get better. And I, I think it's good too. And there's, I know that there are certain groups online where you can get with other spouses who have a spouse who's dealing with a pornography addiction and, and see that it is something that re, where relapses are common. And in fact, you know, we've shared openly, that's part of our story. And, you know, when Dave was getting yeah. through all that, he had some relapses and, and I get the hurt. Like I, I get that. Do you want to speak to that, sweetie? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. It's such a, it's such a messy business, but what I would, the encouragement I think I would give to both the the husband and the wife here, n- number one is like, shame i know i know what that shame feels like and that self-hatred and shame to like you know slip up and relapse um but shame is not of god like shame is what the enemy does to try to get us to hide instead of again having that nakedness before god and before our spouse and really finding healing and so confess it repent realize that jesus has paid the price for it and then kind of like get back on the horse so to speak and keep moving forward um I would say to the to the wife, even though this feels, and it is in many ways, a very intimate and personal betrayal against her, to not to not look at the fact that oh my, you know, my husband had a relapse, which means in her mind, which means he finds me unattractive, or he doesn't he, love me, he doesn't love he doesn't me or me. he doesn't yeah. care enough about our marriage. I think in some ways, and again, not in any way to to let somebody off the hook or to minimize the the, the very real and painful sin of this. But in some ways, I would challenge you to look at this as an in sickness and in health situation, because when a person's, you know, whether it's through alcoholism or whether it's through pornography addiction, even though there is clearly sin involved, you know, to get to that point, the fact you've been in that world for so long, it's all it's almost like your very soul is still sick. 
you don't have the full strength that you're going to have one day when you get to that point of mm. healing. And so, and so it's, it's like this, it's hard to even describe it, but um, you find yourself sometimes just on autopilot going to places that you hate yourself for going. Um, and so there needs to be obviously a lot of accountability, a lot of confession, um, all of that. But there also, I think needs to be some grace to realize that, you know, right now, um, you know, that my husband or the person that's caught up in, in the porn, just like the wife is very wounded because of his actions. The husband is wounded too, because that sin has just ravaged his mind and his soul and his body mm. in ways that it's hard to even describe. And even now, like being free from that for many years, looking back, um, I remember some of how it felt to feel hopeless and helpless. <clears throat> and, and I take full responsibility for the fact that I, I sinned, I sinned and God forgave and but I also realized that there was a, a brokenness and a sickness that had taken root in me because of that sin that made it um made it nearly impossible to consistently make the wise choices that I needed to make. And I needed the grace and I needed the the, the grace of God, the grace of my wife. And over a you know, a, a relatively short period of time, um, got back on that path of healing and I believe this couple will as well. But and I think too, you can't wait to to make love until, like, he's one hundred percent healed and she's one hundred percent okay with everything and has laid it to rest. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I think that if we can, because we, we don't know how long that's going to take. I mean, it literally could take years. So if there's mm -hmm. a way to talk openly, like those honest talks, I just feel like that can really bring you to an intimate level to where she can know he's on that path, and mm -hmm. I want to connect with my husband you know, and, and really mm. prepare her heart and her mind for that and, and try to keep those thoughts at bay. Cause it is, you know, and I totally get the thought process. Like, what did he look at? What did the girl look like? You know, why, why is she, you know, more desirable than me? And, you know, what is it that he was into? Like, mm. and how many, how many different movies or, or whatever did he look at? You know, I mean, you can mm. really let your mind just go down mm -hmm. a rabbit hole that you can't even like find your way back out of. And so that's where, you know, just like in the, in the word, it talks about taking thoughts captive and then putting God's truth, you know, where lies really want to take a hold. And I, and, and not just mm. lies, but fears, you know, a lot of it is yeah. based in fear and yeah. really, you know, let God, let God kind of clean, you know, just not just like clean your mind, but just kind of re just renew you, renew you mm. to be uh, ready to, to become intimate once again. And I know mm. it's hard. I don't want to, like David and I said, I and mean, we don't want to make light of this. It's a very hard situation, but just having lived through that, I mean, there, there is so much hope and, uh, but it does, it does take a lot of time. Yeah. That's so good. And I, and it's relieving. very, yeah. We, I mean, we're having conversations with friends now, you know, even and and dealing with those kinds of things and just to hear your perspective and your wisdom and your experience is refreshing for us to be able to share with friends as well and say, like, you may not mm. get to this point and this, maybe this isn't the point of hundred percent healing is when you move forward. Yeah. Maybe you got to right. take some baby steps and that means yeah. having conversations and, and being okay with, um, you know, making love together when you aren't hundred percent there yet, you know, but maybe that's the, it always feels like that's the step you kind of need to well, take sometimes. And it's hard. I say this, I want to use a verse that without feeling like it's manipulative, but we all, I think marriage people here <laughs> know the first uh, Corinthians seven, seven, right. Is that, or it's talking about not seven, seven, but in first, first Corinthians seven, the husband should give to his wife, her conjugal rights. And likewise, the wife to her husband, there's a, it's a, it's a giving. And so that there's like 
a sense of giving to each other mm-hmm. in that, yes. but there's also a sense of, and I hate to use this word, but entitlement, like you're entitled to right. be my wife and mm-hmm. have conjugal rights with me. And, and the vice versa is true. Now, obviously there's not, you don't use that to manipulate and say as a husband or a wife, give me what right. I want right. or you're a bad husband or wife, but there's a sense, there's a sweet sense of, I can give to you something that is yours to have, even if it's, it means that I'm giving it to you in from a place that doesn't feel it's sacrificial, sacrificial giving. Yeah. 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 So I think there's freedom in knowing that you, you I love what you said. It's just, you don't have to feel like you're hundred mm-hmm. percent there. And it's the sickness and health thing. I don't sickness think I've ever that. heard that perspective. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Yep. There this it is. is. So good. We're, we're <laughs> on the receiving end. We're, we're receiving wisdom in marriage from yes. you. It feels so good to be <laughs> hearing because you're like ministering to our hearts yeah. and it's encouraging. Well, we, we learned oh, so much from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to oh, say that. We learned so much from you guys. Oh yeah. man. Well, we do have one last question yes. for you because we ask every couple, um, what would be your perfect and ideal date or what is your perfect and ideal date? Oh, goodness. Mm. I, I mean, my first, and I'll let, I'll let Dave speak to this too, but like my first thought is Dave and I, like we love to be outdoors and to travel. And, and I feel like we kind of had the perfect date. So I'll just describe that. Like a couple <laughs> years ago, we had um, the opportunity to go to Ireland and I have um, always met my, my kind of my background, like I have Irish ancestors and I always wanted to go because I was like, I just want to see kind of my homeland, you know, I want to learn about it. So um, did you, did you I, learn you know, Gaelic? That's right. I <laughs> wish I could. I wish I could. I think I'm talking like the Irish accent. Like, it's just so, it's so charming. So anyway, and Dave actually, like he, he kind of has roots in Ireland too. So like we'd always wanted to go and we had the opportunity and we went and I will never forget one of our days there, we went to a place called Killarney and uh, we got to hike. And I think it was, was it Connemara too, maybe that day? And it's sort of near Killarney. And we went up in these, these like Irish mountain slash hills and hiked and like literally the sun was just beaming and it was not too hot, not too cold. Oh, man. And it was just a beautiful day. And then we ended that date by going to an Irish pub and listening to an Irish band where there's literally Irish dancers like doing jigs. And it was that's awesome. amazing. You can't beat so, that river dance. And, uh, you can't. We like we saw a river dance and they're playing fiddles and literally, you know, like in the movies, like at the Irish restaurants. We found always... a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. There it is. But you know, you know, in like in, in movies, it always shows Irish people in in the restaurants singing together. And literally, I'm not kidding you. There was a group of men behind us literally singing together so like good. they had irish a lot of songs. guinness and, and, yeah. and irish whiskey but they were singing. <laughs> yeah. they were singing but it was just such a cool thing to be you know to be there so that's, that's like a life one, that's it? like life goals for me i want to be a part of one of those like irish pub like <laughs> ah, we're all like shouting the same thing together. and like beer is spilling out everywhere like you're clashing mugs together and it's just well, a big mess they were, they were literally doing it let's like, do a marriage retreat in ireland there we go. Let's do it. Just, just us four. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's awesome. Guys, thank you so much for being on the Fierce Marriage Podcast. We're so grateful. Um, and you, your book is releasing soon. It's called The Naked Marriage. We encourage yeah. all of our listeners to go check it out. Where can they find that? Yeah. Why don't you guys give us the elevator pitch? Because I want to give you a chance. At where, where would you point anyone who's listening to this to find uh, more of what you guys are writing and your resources? I know you guys have a, a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. And so tell us about all that stuff so we can all, people can, uh, can find the real wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. They can run from us to you. So, (laughs) well, we started the podcast because you guys are our heroes. Oh, hey, (laughs) oh, let's be like Ryan and Selena. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) 
it's not, called the Naked Marriage Podcast. It's called yeah, like I wanted to call it uh, Fierce Mar- the Fierce Marriage Fan Club <laughs> Podcast, yeah. but <laughs> they, naked, when they, naked they, marriage. they came up naked, with naked. So naked the, marriage. the Naked Marriage is the name of the podcast, and it's also the name of the book, just to make yes. it simple. So the Naked Marriage, both as a podcast and as the book and yeah yeah you can get it on amazon or you can go to nakedmarriagebook.com that's awesome. awesome and as i understand it dave is leading the tip of the marketing spear with his exhibitionism being a naked the original <laughs> yes. naked husband he's living it out that's yeah. right he's living I'm, it out I'm jumping out of a, jumping out of a cake you know? in, a, in a speedo during the book launch party well it's not and... the semi-naked marriage dave that's right. <laughs> i know i know it's not partially clothed marriage it's naked marriage. well we'll see you guys work that out among yourselves <laughs> well you guys have been a delight we could talk to you for hours and hours and i look forward to having you on again mm-hmm. soon man blessings to you guys i'm gonna say a quick prayer over all you're doing and just uh we just so appreciate you and anyway Lori, thank you so much for dave and ashley thank you for the um just the heart they have to point couples to you to remind couples of the deep truths that are in scripture and how they bear weight and hope and help on marriages here and now today and they're mm-hmm. relevant and and your truths are just as relevant today as they were thousands of years ago so thank you for their ministry i pray that you continue to allow them um, to have a voice into people's hearts through the the words they write and the words they say on their podcast and as they speak just continue to anoint their work god and make it fruitful in in the lives of marriages around the world mm-hmm. uh in your precious name lord amen amen, amen. all right guys thank you guys thank you. All right, we will see you soon, or hopefully have you on again soon, I guess. Hopefully soon. But hopefully soon. soon. And hopefully see you soon if you come to the Northwest. <laughs> yeah. being weird. And we want to have you guys on the Naked Marriage Podcast yes, and that. also have the Fierce Marriage Ireland tour. Oh, there you That's go. So. Sounds good. Top of the you. We look forward to it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you guys have enjoyed this interview with Dave and Ashley. They have been just a joy for us to talk to. Uh, their book has actually been released, so make sure and check it out on Amazon. Just search for The Naked Marriage by Dave and Ashley Willis. You can also find their podcast on iTunes called The Naked Marriage. Anyway, thanks so much for joining us. Maybe you laughed, maybe you cried, uh, but at any rate, we hope you learned something. Until next time, stay fierce. Thank you for listening to the Fierce Marriage Podcast. For more resources for your marriage, please visit FierceMarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at Fierce Marriage on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. We hope it's blessed you. Take care.